chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. When you find Luke chapter 2, let us stand. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, follow me down to verse 25. Verse 25, Luke chapter 2. This story actually begins in verse 22, but we'll read from verse 25. This is what it says. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was a righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, God, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. God, your word is truth, and we pray that you would bless this message so it receives into the heart of your people your intent. We ask, God, that you would guide this time as we devote ourselves to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When people tend to think about celebration, celebrations, they tend to think of anniversaries, they tend to think of a raise, they tend to think of a baby being born. They tend to think of celebrations those, way, those ways. They tend to think of, you know, uh, a birthday celebration. Like my son who, oh, yeah, yeah, can't seem to teach this boy. It's just one day. That's why the name of the thing is birthday, not birth week or birth month. But it doesn't really matter what I've said for 40 years of his life. It's still birth week for him. Definitely not birthday. But birthday is a birthday. Some people, I ran into somebody who celebrate a month. I said, God forgive you in the name of Jesus. But that's what they do. They celebrate a month. They say, I'm going to celebrate a month. This is my month. This is my month. There's somebody back there raising their hand, testifying. This is my month. <laughs> we celebrate that. Why? It, we see hospitals all over Houston. We see we go to funerals. The older you get, guess what you get used to going to? Funerals. We see that. We see the, the excitement of a baby being born. We want to celebrate that. Every time we think of celebration, we think of what's happening that is good for us. You see, celebration many times is not celebration. Celebration is a word in itself. Celebration is not what it means to me. Celebration is celebration. So that's why many times we could go to somebody's anniversary and celebrate with them. Sometimes we could go to a person we've adopted as a mother and celebrate with them. Because celebration by itself is celebration. See, that's how come this man Simeon could do a celebration. You see, please understand. 
I want you to remember, this, young, this man here, and people think he's old because he talks about death. No, nobody could convince us that he's old. I mean, the average age in his day was 45 years old. No hospitals, no medications, no anything. They died at 45. Where is Joseph when Jesus Christ is on the cross at 33? Can't be found. So it's not a long year. We can't say he's an older man. That's why he's dying. But he's not a popular man. He's not a famous man. He's not a part of the Sanhedrin. He's not a Pharisee, a Sadducee, or a high priest. He's none of these things. He is simply described in this text as a man who got three things attached to his name. He was a righteous man. He was a devout man. And he was a man that was looking for the redemption, the consolation of Israel. That's it. That's this is a man. So we, we would think that if God is going to pick a man to talk about his baby coming into the temple, he would pick a high priest. Makes sense to me. He would pick a high priest. I mean, a high priest is a high priest. They only get to go into the holies once in their lifetime. That's why you see Zacharias went in once in his lifetime because they may not come out. So the high priest is celebrated, revered when they walk around. So you would think that's the person. That ain't the person. You would think it's a, oh man, a, a Levite from the line of Aaron that would come into the temple and go, yay, this is Jesus the Christ. Everybody stop. This is Christ. He came. They knew where he was going to be born. They knew the whole story because when Herod asked the question, they say, hey, this is where he's going to be born. They knew exactly who he was. That's why Nicodemus came at night because everything fits the script. That's why you have Nicodemus in the Bible. It's to say, here is a man who devoted himself to the word of God. Here is a man who devoted himself to do whatever God says. And he, everything points to this guy. So I got to ask him, are you the Christ? So it's vividly clear. That's why Jesus Christ would look at them and say, you know who I am. I fit the script. You know exactly who I am. You just choose not to accept who, who I am and what this means to you. So it's not like Jesus Christ is some guy that showed up a claim to be Christ. Everything said he was the Christ. So you would think a Levite, descendant of Aaron, would say, yay. No, this is a regular guy like you and I. It's a regular person. Regular person. Day-to-day -day guy. Going to work. Doing what he's supposed to do. Taking care of his family. Waking up in the morning. But what characterizes his life are those three things. He was a righteous man. He was a devout man. And he was a person who was waiting because of the scriptures for the consolation of Israel. Here for a second. The issue is why can't we celebrate God? Why can't we celebrate him? Oh, it's hard when the bills are still there. It's hard when the, the health issues are still there. It's hard when you've prayed and you cried out to God and you ask God, but the situation is still the same. The marriage is still the same. Kids are still acting crazy. Singleness, no husband. Been praying for years. And the ones that show up keep having Gideon Bibles. Yeah. So you know something is twisted. That's why I tell all the singles here, as your pastor, he shows up with a Gideon Bible. Do like Joseph, run. <laughs> Don't do like David. David hung around. He messed up. The example in the Bible is to run. Then don't even eat the dinner. Just get up. Run. Folks, you would think in all of the scriptures, and when we study them, celebration should be easy. But in the midst of corrupt temples, so corrupt, Jesus Christ will turn the tables upside down. 
and corruption in the temple. Priests doing their own thing every day. What they would do is they would say, you brought a sacrifice. They say, the sacrifice is perfect. But they would say it's not perfect. What does that mean? You got to go back outside. You got to go to guys who change the money over. And the guys who changing the money over, if you're supposed to get $4 for $1, they would tell you, no, you, you got it. No, this is $7. What you going to do? You're going to pay the $7 because that's your family's sacrifice. That's the day of atonement. You can't miss that for the rest of your year. And you want God to bless your family. So what you do, dish out whatever they ask. And then the priest gets a cut. That's how corrupt it was. It was a corrupt place. It was a place where you got leopards. There's a place where there's a guy at the pool for 38 years. There's a time when heavy taxation was upon Israel because of the Roman oppression, political differences, because you got some Jews that would support the Romans and some Jews that don't. You got all of this going on. But in the midst of all of the corruption in the temple, in the midst of poverty, the woman would want, would, with a mite, in the midst of disease and death, in the midst of pain and misery, there is a man that celebrates. What causes him to be a true worshiper? What leads this person, no matter what they're going through, to be a worshiper? What mindset does that? Because we want to celebrate because, hey, God blessed me, yay! Where is his blessing? Where does it say in this text he's a rich man? Where does it say in this text he's a healthy man? He's waiting to die. Where in this text does it say that he has a big house or a small house or a nice-looking donkey or a chariot rolling up with, with you know, we, if he had a little black in him, he got to have some rims, <laughs> some Michelin tires. You know, he got to have some bling-bling. Where does it say that? No, it doesn't. He doesn't even meet Mary in the inner courts. He meets her in the court for women. So he's not like a person when he walks into the temple, everybody goes, oh, wow, here comes Simeon. No, he's in the courts of the women. Because every time he comes to the temple, he wants to celebrate this one thing. This one thing. So who is going to have a baby? A woman. So where would he go? To the place where the women gather. What makes this man do this? That's what this text is talking about that allows us to come to a heart of celebration that is not determined by circumstance. It's determined by our realization of who Christ is and what that means in our day-to-day -day experience. Because when we learn to celebrate God, our day-to-day -day experience does not tear us down, does not drive us crazy, does not cause us to lose faith in God. It causes us to grow in faith with God. It does not cause us to lose hope in God. It causes us to have hope in God. When our heart and our realization of what it's like to be a true worshiper, it does not let the days of life does not overwhelm us with anxiety. It drives us to prayer. The times when we are stressed out financially, it drives us to contentment. Oh, yeah. Look at the heart of a true worshiper. Because it wouldn't take Christmas to do this. We'll do this every day. Sunday morning is a place like David would say, a man after God's own heart, I can't wait to go into the house of God. Didn't have to invite David to church. David was running there. And the minute you tell David it was offering time, he's killing thousands of bulls. That's the heart of a worshiper. 
uh, folks. I want you to look at verse 25. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem, so he wouldn't have known Mary them. Mary them are from Nazareth. He's not, so he's not from Nazareth. So he doesn't know her. Please remember that in this text. He does not know her. He doesn't know Joseph or Mary. He doesn't know any of this. He's from a whole not a city. It's like saying I'm from Houston, the other person's from Austin. And they're showing up at Living Word. Don't know them. That's the first thing to note. Contrasting the text is, the people in the temple, they're worshiping God. That's what they're saying. They're having a great time worshiping God. They're having a great time celebrating God in their minds. They are. But it's routine. See, we tend to think a routine worshiper is a worshiper. But a routine worshiper is not a worshiper. A routine worshiper is just a person that goes to the gym because every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, I go to the gym. I've watched people do that. They go to the gym and they're talking half the time. And they sit at the weight and you're praying that they move. Because they have these conversations and they're talking and they're interacting and all this stuff. And you're saying, man, please, God, would you move? And I will forget that being so frustrated with that at the gym. So I started to pick weights where there are two things in the same place. So some people go to the gym and you don't see any difference. They're still eating fries. Hog, you know, <laughs> you know, they got the, the bacon and some folk still eating the cow tongue and the kidney and the liver. And, uh, okay, I'll move on. Some still people still pulling alligator in there. Soup. Some people leave the gym. Like you go to the gym by my house, you leave right out of the gym. There's a Whataburger, a Chick-fil-A. How do I know these things? <laughs> Please ask that question. <laughs> Understand it's right there. You walk out the gym and there it is. All of the fast food restaurants. You see people drive away from the gym, go straight to them. See, it's not that they're not going to the gym. It's just what I do. I go to the gym. I work out. It gives them this mindset that if I go to the gym and I work out, I'm healthy. But, it, but actually, at the end of the day, the person who defines health is a doctor who looks at the truth based on the results that are in the person's body. It is actually not the gym that decides that. Because it's how they come to the gym that determines what they get from the gym. It is the mindset they come with. It is how they function when they come. And all of that is predetermined before they get there. It's not somebody that's making them do it. It's somebody that is in their mind saying, I got to lose weight. I need to work on this muscle. I need to do this many sit-ups because my six-pack is a 15-pack. My six-pack is just, the, we, we come there with a mindset. So those people, when you go to the gym, they're sweating. They're not nicely dressed. I'm messing with some folks right now, so I'll move on. There are people in the temple. They're dressed apart. There's a routine they came. But this man celebrates God, and they can't get it. Anna is running around the temple, when you look a few verses down, with Jesus in her hands. And they still miss it. How could they miss Jesus 
at the temple where everything is about him. The lamb is about him. He is the high priest. He is the propitiation table. The cross propitiation table. You go wash your hands. The lever. Guess what? Baptism. You go into the holies of holies. When we get saved, we are in the, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Guess what he says? We are the temple of God. Everything about the temple says Jesus. That's why the Bible is saying, when I look down from heaven, I'm giving Moses the script as to how to de de design the temple. Why? Because he's looking at Jesus designing it. How could they go to the temple, which is about Christ? That's like going to your mama's house, which is about your mama, and somehow you miss mama. But they did it every day, every week, every month, some of them every year. How could they do this? You see, because they didn't have these three things. Walk with me. This man was righteous. Do you know what it's like to be righteous in a world that's corrupt? Let me give you an example. Because the Bible talks about this in Philippians for us. A world that's corrupt, you go to work and people are cussing and you're not supposed to cuss. Because the Bible says so. It don't mean you don't feel like it. You just don't, can't do it. They got quiet. That's not good. <laughs> you go home and and there are issues. And God is saying, don't let your anger become bitterness, resentment. And he goes down the list in Ephesians chapter 4. Because Satan will get a foothold and destroy you and whatever is around you. But you feel it. How do you manage that? There's some days when you look at the bills, the single life, the parenting, and all the issues of job and political tensions and everything else you feel depressed but the God is saying rejoice contradicts your feeling how do you come when the bills are long and the money is short and righteousness says to give oh God I don't even have enough money to pay my light bill righteousness is saying this boss is wicked but I got to do right how am I not going to lose my job Righteousness says, I got to walk by faith and not by sight. How do I live in a corrupt world and do right? It's not easy. So when I come to this place of worship, that's a place I look forward to because I can say, Jesus, ain't nobody saying, Muhammad. I can say, hallelujah, God, and nobody's going, what's wrong with you? I could decide to do what God tells me to do in the word of God and people say praise God for your discipline and for your commitment to God not what's wrong with you why are you always so happy why are you walking in here saying good morning they say good morning too because it's a blessing to see the morning because great is his faithfulness so when you're righteous and you come among people who want to live righteous, 
It's like coming home to the same group of people who commit to the same principles as a family and you can be yourself. You could be what you need to be. That's why the Bible says the righteous can't live by what they see because they'll be messed up. A righteous person lives by what they can't see, faith. They commit to God. They commit to what God is saying. They commit to how God is operating, how God is functioning. No matter what they see, they keep doing what God says. And that's why the Bible says the righteous person lives by faith. That's why this man comes to the temple every time looking for the redemption of Israel because the Bible says he's coming. It doesn't matter what the Jews are saying. It doesn't matter what the high priest is saying. It doesn't matter what Herod is saying, what the Romans are doing. It doesn't matter about the taxation. It doesn't matter about disease. I know that one day when I walk up in here, Jesus is going to be here. That's why a righteous person ends up celebrating. You could always tell people who are on the same football team. Yeah, when we're having a good season, pray for me. Don't be hating. But people, you go, I remember my son was playing in a playoff game and I was mad. Because I couldn't get a good seat. Because all the good seats were bought by the opposing team. And I'm standing at the place to buy the ticket because you couldn't do it online. And I'm saying to them, ma'am, I want to sit behind my son. Oh, sir, no, we, we sell all those tickets already. So the people that were here at your school had first shot at the tickets. Yes. So by the time I get here, if they bought up all the good seats, I got leftovers. Yes. Sir. You are the visiting team. We don't give you the advantage. We want all the advantage we can get. I said, man, that is twisted. She goes, okay, like, that's your problem. In other words, she just looked at me through the lights, you know, this little college kid go, okay. Like, you know, so what? I mean, what you going to do? <laughs> you going to fix this today? So I had to go buy this ticket, sit in a seat I didn't want to sit in, listening to them cheer for their team and my son. I can just have a few of us going, hey, I'm going, what is this? It doesn't mean that they didn't have homework. It doesn't mean that they didn't have to go to school. It doesn't mean that they didn't have financial bills to pay. It doesn't mean that they may not have broken up in a relationship that week. It didn't mean that they may not have gone through all kinds of issues, maybe a death of a loved one in a family. What matters is that when they came, this is their team, and they want to be the 12th man, and they want to make sure that their team win, so they want to keep their team encouraged. They want to keep their team winning because if they go to the playoffs, they lie to win the championship. That's all that mattered. And the Bible is saying if they could do that for a football team, how could we who wake up every morning because of Jesus, who walk along every day because of Jesus, who could eat a chicken because of Jesus, who can get up and go to work in our right minds because of Jesus, how could we, when we are dealing with all the pressures of life and his word keeps being true, how could we walk into his presence and living a committed life to God, not be dedicated to give him praise? Why does he have to fix everything when he's the one doing everything? My kids and I used to get into that argument. Well, I, well, 
I mean, the mom, dad, you know, I asked you all for a shoe. And I said, hey, sit down. You're tripping. I said, let me ask you something. Where are you sitting? In our house? In our seat? No, no, no. I don't ever want you all to think about it this way because it's our family. But at the end of the day, that's my seat. Okay? I want you to think it's ours. I want you to think that, but I want you just for a minute to remember, you're in my clothes. No, what you're talking about, Dad? This is my clothes. I'm glad you think that way, but at the end of the day, it's my clothes. So you're clothed. You are now a young teenage boy. Forever and forever, who has been cooking? On what food? On what dishes? Did you ever pay that? So you could sit around here and talk about your tennis shoe and forget the 12, 13 years of your life when somebody for nine months took care of you coming out healthy, grace of God bring you out with all your limbs, and you complaining about a tennis shoe. See, a righteous person don't complain. They see what God is doing. Their mind is set on what God has done because they see every good and perfect gift as coming from heaven. So when they wake up, they say hallelujah. When they lie down, they say hallelujah. When it's an apartment or a house, when it's a hoopty or a nice car, God, at least I got a way out of nowhere. I hallelujah. That's why the Bible says they find every reason to give God praise for all things. Because a righteous person is operating off of the word of God because of a relationship with God. That's why this man, unlike all these other worshipers other than Anna, can give God praise. Here's the second thing you find in this text that causes us to be able to celebrate when things are messed up. Things are messed up. It's the same thing, you know, constantly asking God for wisdom. How do you lead a church forward when this virus is going all over the place? Because you're not telling us not to go forward. You either stand, you walk, you run, or you press. Those are the only four options you got in Scripture. See, here's the second thing you find about this man. He was devout. What is the difference? Because it says, and devout. It didn't say righteous, devout man. It says, or devout, righteous man. It says righteous and devout. You would tend to think if a person is righteous, they're devout. I mean, that's just standard thing, right? He is righteous and he's devout. That's not what the text says. The, righteous, the text says he is righteous and devout. Why would it say that? Let me tell you, since you ask, this is a good question. The reason why it says devout is because he's going to a temple that's corrupt. He's going into a messed up situation. And he is following all the Levitical laws. You don't want to follow all the Levitical laws when you know when you go up in here with an animal, these folks are crooked. And they're going to take that animal and twist it around, make you go back outside. You got to find extra money and you got to come and sit this thing on top of a group of guys who are corrupting everything. You, you, you got to deal with that. You got to come to this temple and you may only have a mite. These guys up in the temple tell you to bring two mites or you're not accepted. You come to the temple, you don't see no holy smoke coming down from heaven. You don't see no priest dying that you know is corrupt. 
you are recognizing that for 400 years, God ain't said nothing. And he said he ain't going to say nothing. He said for 400 years, I am not saying nothing to nobody. So if you hear a prophet prophesying, that is not from me. If you hear a rabbi preaching, unless he's coming out of the Bible, that is not from me. If you hear somebody walking around saying that there are God is speaking to them, they're lying because I ain't talking to nobody for 400 years. So in spite of the deadness that was taking place. This man picked up Leviticus and he can do everything Leviticus says. You ever read the book of Leviticus? It will make you go to sleep. Do you know how many times I've wanted to do a series through Leviticus? If you look at my Bible, you see how many times I've read it and made notes. I have yet to come up with a series that wouldn't drive y'all into crazy land. Okay, you bring the animal. You must make sure the animal does this, this. I mean, there's so many laws, so many rules. God wants, he's holy, so he wants perfection in worship. He doesn't want you to mess up in one way because he is holy. So what he's saying with all of that is you must respect who I am. I am holy. I am righteous. So if you're going to come into my presence, respect that. This man, despite the deadness, never saw anything as an excuse. He still, every day, every moment of the day, every, every day of atonement did exactly what God said, no matter what anybody else did. That's why you want to wait for the day of redemption. What, 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 make, what make people wait for payday? They ain't got no savings. Tell the truth, shame the devil. The bills are coming in and the savings ain't there and you got to wait on that paycheck. So payday, I don't know about y'all, way back when I was in seminary, payday was the car on fumes pulling up to the gas station. I mean, you, you drove slow. Ain't because of the speed limit. Ain't had nothing to do with it. It was what was in the bank. It's when you went to the ATM and you're praying, Lord... Have mercy. In them days, they would suck your card in. <laughs> you know you're wrong. What are you here for? They just took your card. You know, you go in the bank trying to get it back. You know you're wrong arguing, but you just want your card back. Payday was hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't, I know now it don't matter to me, but back then I didn't like no de de direct deposit. I wanted to touch the thing. Y'all in direct deposit ain't nothing. Give me my check. I want to touch the thing, take it to the bank myself, put it in the bank, see that thing change in there. That's what I want. I don't want to hope it's in there. Not, you know, in them days, you didn't get to go on the computer and look to see anything. You got you to gotta recognize. So I, did, so I wanted to touch the thing. Oh, folks, that was a day that you celebrate. What does that make you do? Become devout. You go to a job, no matter what the person is saying. Yes, sir, master, sir. I'll take care of it. I'll get it done. <laughs> Whatever you say is done. Okay? May not like the person. Person may not like you. Good morning. You're thinking about them bills up in there. Thinking about them chilling, running around. You're willing to do whatever. The traffic is bad. You leave early. You do all of those things, why? Payday. What is this man waiting for? The consolation of Israel. Payday! 
So I am not going to mess up anything because the consolation of Israel is about to come because he said it is. And since he said it is righteousness, I expect it to come. So every day I move around, walk around in this temple, I am looking for it because he said it. I expect it to happen. It's just a matter of when. So that's why he prayed and said, God, don't let me die so I can see this. I want to see this day. Please don't let me die so I can see it. I know it's coming. I know you're going to do it. I don't want to miss it, so let me live. That's why he was devout. You see, when you believe God for what he says, you want to do everything he says because you don't want to miss it. You see, we live in a world that's resourceful. So we got savings account, 401ks, KO14s. <laughs> we got investments and stocks. and We got all this stuff. In their day, your goat need to give another goat. Or your family, when you kill that goat, it's over. The land got to produce. Because in them days, if it don't rain in a dry climate, you starve to death. Because in the winter, nothing grows. See, in their day, they celebrated Pentecost. That was water. Because water in their day is a blessing from God. It's like God opened up the skies and by that I could drink water. I, by that I can take care of my crop. By that I live or die. Water. We just throw away the water. They get down to half. <sighs> For them, water. Everything. So that's why there was a day of Pentecost. Understand, it was a day of life. Everything depended on it. The crop depended on it. The animals depended on it. The key people depended on it. So it's like a freshness of life. If a flower was withering, the flower bloomed. So to us, Pentecost is tongues. To them, Pentecost represents life. See, <laughs> they're expecting God. That's what led to their devout. When we don't have that passion for God because we, life is so resourceful that we could pray, but girl, I need to give me a part-time job. We, we, we can go to our cars, but we got a second one if that one doesn't work. We tend to pray, but we're not waiting. When God forces us to wait for this situation to change, Wait! <laughs> for our kids to do better. Wait for the health issue to be resolved. Wait to give us strength in our weakness. Wait for the struggles of life. That's when you know whether or not a person is devout or a person is just going to church. A person is just going to church, just go, oh, it's time for church. But a person is devout, says it's the time to bless God because I know he is going to do what he said he's going to do. It's just a matter of time when he says he's going to get it done. So because I know it, I'm going to bless him now. That's why he separated the words righteous and devout. And that's why he ties to it waiting for the day. Because that drove him to do everything the way God says he's going to do it. 
You know, one of the big things in my family was promises. Promises. Anytime I told our kids, my wife and I kids, I promise, they evangelized the neighborhood. My dad promised he's going to do this. My dad promised he's going to do that. I'm literally just sitting outside listening to them talk to their friends. This is going to happen. And it's going on. They sometimes dress it up. I didn't tell them about no scooter they're going to have this kind of wheels. I didn't tell them. They're going to dress it up. Oh, my dad, man, when I get this, it's going to be awesome, man. My bike, see, my bike is going to have this. It's going to have that. I ain't tell them nothing about that bike having none of that stuff. But they get all excited. They're going to have this bike, and this bike is going to be there. They can't sleep on Christmas Day. They're just going to do whatever you want them to do. That whole, dad, what you need to do. Dishes washed? Yes. I'm, I'm getting everything out of it. I'm sorry. Y'all could do the, I get everything out. Dad, you need to take out the trash? Yeah. Need to wash my clothes? Yeah. <laughs> this is the only time I could train him to righteousness. <laughs> so I'm going to let it happen. Yeah, I may have said, it's okay, son. You're going to get your bike. No, 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 no. I, I didn't do that. This is the way I could get him disciplined to do what he said. Dad, I made up my bed. Awesome. Son, give me a hug. Dad, I brushed my teeth. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> See, that bike made that child do everything. What drives us every day? Our problems or our God expectations? If it's our problems, then, oh, here we go, church. I'm here. But if it's our expectations, oh, I can't wait to go into the house of God. I'll bless his name. I glorify his name because Jesus Christ is come. I bless his name because if Jesus Christ can say he's coming and it took thousands of years, the book of Psalm is a thousand years of Israel's history. A thousand years. It's been 2,000 years he's been saying he's coming back. So thousands of years passed for Jesus Christ to show up. If he could show up after thousands of years and he did come back, I could keep expecting Jesus to come back because he certainly did do what he said he's going to do even though it took thousands of years. So I will keep waiting on God because he's always true to his word. He just has his right time and the right place where he's going to do it, but he's going to do what he said he's going to do. It's just his time is different than my time. But he's showing by the fact that Jesus Christ is born that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. So I'm expecting him. So I'm going to live a devout life. Could you imagine? We don't even know if we make it home. Why don't that create devoutness? Expecting the birth of Christ could be us being in heaven in the presence of Christ. Why doesn't that drive us to be devout? Folks, that's what makes a worshiper a worshiper. It doesn't matter what they're going through. Their commitment to God shows who they are. <laughs> you know, you could take a diamond, and you could have this diamond when you first found it. And you could go 10,000 years down the road with this diamond, and it was still cut glass. Why is that? It's diamond. When a person is righteous... When a person is devout, they end up waiting because nothing changes. You could beat Paul. Sufferings of this present time don't compare. 
Probably going to kill you for me to live as Christ that I has gained because Paul is who he is. Nothing changes it. If, if circumstances in life make us give up on God, we were never believing in God the way we needed to. That's why, folks, the Spirit of God rested on him. Come on, God, there's thousands of people in the temple. No, 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 on him. God, wait a minute, minute, God, there's a high priest in the temple. No, no, him. God, there's Levites in the temple. No, him. God, there are Pharisees who spit around all day studying the scriptures and adding laws. No, 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 him. So we come to church and we say, God, I need to feel your spirit. He says, you want me to hook up with what? I'm God. I got to fix your world before you even come to church. Look at that. He says in verse 26, and it had been revealed to him. So the spirit of God rested on him in verse 25. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. How could it be the Holy Spirit? Slow down a minute. God didn't talk to nobody in 400 years. How in the world is he talking now? He ain't said nothing. But he's talking now. People come to church and they say, I don't get nothing out of church. Because you don't bring nothing. You want church to do for you. When God is saying, I've already done for you. How do you come to church? I've seen people say that. Well, I've just not growing. Well, you've got to be fertile soil first. The Bible says you could be rocky soil, thorn bushes. You have to be fertile soil to grow. Even Jesus Christ preaching and teaching for three years still didn't win everybody to the cross. Because it wasn't fertile soil. They weren't growing on to Jesus. They were attacking Jesus. You have to have a heart for this. I always used to preach this in raising our children. Baby, we got to create a heart in order to plant the seed. If we don't create a heart, we may think we planted a seed because they're drag babies. But when they ain't being dragged, that's when you know what kind of baby. Because it's the heart. People want to grow. They want to have a passion for the word. And the Bible is saying, you don't have a passion for me. See, people at football games gather passion. People have passion for fishing in the rain, snow. I watch them folk on the lake. I'll be saying, you're crazy. The water is rough. And they're saying, this is the best fishing hole. And they stand there, fishing. I'm saying, this don't make no sense. You have a Walmart uh, Food town. <laughs> and you putting your life at risk to catch this fish you hope will come by. <laughs> Are you serious to right now? And then they invite me. I said, don't invite me. You, I will feed the fish. <laughs> and I'm serious. I, I said, don't, don't invite me. I'll feed the fish. So, I said, well, just come with me. Well, give me a good book. Man, you're a nerd. Okay, at least I know who I am. You don't recognize who you are. Crazy. You're on this water. Passion. Have a passion. Because they feel the spirit. And when they catch a fish, you ain't got to play no music. You ain't got to have no praise team. You would think they just 
pulled up a diamond that is worth $10 million. They, ooh, I got me one. Ooh, it's a big one. They take a picture. <laughs> they got a fish story. They feel the spirit because in their heart, they're fishermen. They're fisherwomen. And that's what they love. So automatically, they get joy. The reason why some of us don't feel the growth of God, a commitment to God, a passion for God, and we come to church, experience the Word of God, and let it stir our hearts up to have a spirit experiencely, powerfully land on in us and develop more and more from us, is because our hearts are not right. It's just not right. Not right. Some people have a baby and some people are mothers. That's different. Some people just had a baby because they had a night. Some people have a baby because they want a family. Different. This man, Spirit of God, this thing just blows me away. 400 years, God ain't said nothing to nobody. Nothing. I mean nothing. Not a word, not a blink. The angel talked to Mary. Watch the contrast carefully. The angel talked to Mary. Who talks to Simeon? The Holy Spirit. Now you would think the Holy Spirit would talk to Mary. And an angel would talk to Simeon. Because they call Mary a righteous woman. They call Joseph a righteous man. But the Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon. Because he was a righteous man. Devout. And every day, he is looking for God to do exactly what he said he going to do. He didn't care what the circumstances were. He didn't care how bad things were. He didn't care how the church was in this way or the church was in that way. I know that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So I expect God to do it and I'm going to walk until he gets there and I'm going to be devout until I see it. I'm not going to let my circumstances determine how committed I am to celebrate God. I'm going to celebrate God because he could never lie. I'm going to celebrate Celebrate God because he's always righteous, always holy, always committed to his covenant, always going to do for his people from the love of his heart. He's going to do everything he needs to do for his people. As a result of that, because I know who he is, I can wait for the consolation. Amen. You know, the consolation is actually not about him. That's why he said, let me die. You think, oh God, let the consolation come and bless me. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, God, when I walk around Israel, I see poverty. I see Romans oppressing the people. I see a mortality rate of babies high. That's why they celebrate the birth of a child so big. They didn't have no incubators and women's hospitals. Babies died. When I look around, I see a city of leprosy. When I look around, I see a man at the pool 38 years. I see people sick and dying everywhere. And it's because they did not listen. They choose not to listen to you, God. 
They choose not to walk with you just like they did when they went into the promised land. They don't listen to you, God. You brought them back. You reestablished them. You let Cyrus release them. And they still came back bringing to you all kinds of bad worship services. And you got sick of it in Malachi. You said you ain't talking no more. So, God, I'm seeing the decay that is taking place because they're not listening to you anymore. So, God, I can't wait for you to help my people. I want you to help my people, God. I want for you to make them strong again, healed again, healthy again, productive again. I want to see their marriages working again. I want to see their singles that are here because their husbands died at a young age. I want to see these women not be like Naomi and have hope again. So God, would you please come? I look at the degradation of our homes and our families. I look at the brokenness of our world and political disparity. I look at the fact that we have all this death and hospitals can't be enough hospitals. We don't have enough rooms in the midst of this plague. Where is our heart? See, when you have a heart for God, you can't have a help but have a heart for his people. If you love the Lord all your heart, your soul, and your mind, you love your neighbor as yourself, you wouldn't be just saying, God, bless me. You're saying, God, would you help me be a blessing? This man wasn't praying for himself. This man was trying to save a nation that's messed up. That's why when he blesses God, watch his words in his blessing. <laughs> blessing to God literally means, God, I am wanting to do everything so that when somebody looks at me, all they could say is, to God be the glory. So God, if ain't nobody else in Israel could be said about, at least when a Gentile walk up in here, like the Ethiopian eunuch we did. There's other Gentiles walking around wishing for this God to bless them like every other God cannot bless them. So they would come to this temple to be blessed by this God because this God worked. He has a history of working. Since he has a history of working, I'm going to be like Rahab. I'm going with your God. I ain't messing with these giants. There's somebody that understood that and got a light to it. So he says, God, when they come and they look at this nation that is messed up, corrupt temple, worship all over the place, messed up, people doing crazy stuff, at least when they look at me, they would see one person at least in this temple blessing you because I kept the Levitical law. I walked based on your word. I kept it pure, and I'm looking for Christ. That's why he celebrated he blessed God, and God blessed him. Ah, oh, man, I'm sorry. This part of it is going to seem a little frustrating to you, but it really breaks my heart to see how churches become, bless me in the city, bless me in the fields, bless me when I come, when I go. It's like God ain't did nothing. I mean, they come after six days in places where wrecks took place, deaths happened, cancer came. Jobs were lost. Homes were broken into. Women were raped. People were involved in ancestral relationships that had to get out. Anger in people's hearts. Crime took place. And yet they walk up in the house of God. And the first thing they could think about is, bless me, God. Give me, give me, give me, God. And that preacher don't do it for me because I need a place that's going to bless me. It's like God didn't do nothing for six days. Let your kids do that to you. See what you do. I walk up in this house. Y'all better bless me. 
I don't grow in this house because I come in here and all y'all want to do is tell me what to do, what that to do, and all this other stuff. I don't grow in this house. I actually don't grow. I actually don't develop in this house because I'm just here and y'all don't do nothing for me. What would you do to them? Don't sin against God and lie right now. What would you do? Try it at your job. Go to your job and tell them, you don't bless me. Y'all don't do nothing for me up in here. I'm just here because I just want to be here today. But I don't need y'all. I want you to try it one day in front of your boss. No, 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 don't do that. They don't even say leave the job. They escort you with your little box. Police with a gun. This man came because he was righteous and devout. Watch, watch what happened here. A righteous parents end up meeting a man touched by the Holy Spirit. That's how the meeting happened. We want to have a meeting with God, but are we living right? And are we having the Spirit lead us for the meeting to take place? They met up. Who led him to be met up? Watch the words. Watch the words. He says, and he came in the spirit into the temple. And the parents brought the child Jesus to carry out what was in their custom. How did this meeting happen? Righteous people met a righteous man led by the spirit. That's how the meeting happened. I want to meet Jesus. Well, start off like this. And then you celebrate. I want to experience God. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I remember my mama being in the hospital. And I, she couldn't help herself. And everything in me was, I'm going to maintain my mom's dignity. I'm going to find a way. So this nurse came in. And I said, I need you to help my mom. I don't want to take her to the restroom. I don't want to do to her as a boy or as a son what she needs to do that she can't do for herself. Because even though she would accept it, I can't imagine how humiliating that would be for a woman who is a dignified person who would even like going to doctors where she had to undress in front of a man. I know that about her. Well, we see what we could do. We see what we could do, sir. We would do our best. Then another nurse came in. And I said to her, ma'am, I got to take care of my mama. I got to take care of some things that are very personal. And I know it needs to be done now. Would you help me? This is your mom? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I got this. I said, do you have a, a good relationship with your mom? Oh, I love my mama. Thank you. I left the room. You see, because of her relationship with her mama and my relationship with my mom, there was a meeting that made it a blessing. Sometimes we don't meet God because the relationship isn't there before we get here. And we blame it on the church, the preacher, and everybody else when it's us's. It's the church. It's the preacher. It's this. And God is going, if you were fertile soil, 
that's what led to worship this way. Now the Lord is releasing his who? Bond slave. <laughs> we talked about that last week. A bond slave. Who's a bond slave? I'm going to serve you. You know what is the least worst word you could use for a slave in their day? Is bond slave. Bond slave is I am below a slave. I go get the slop. I go get the leftovers. I do what no other slave wants to do. And I do it because I respect my master. And if it costs me my life, I'm ready. That's why Paul would say, I'm a bond slave. Because I'm ready to die no matter what it costs me. He says, you're a bond slave. <laughs> Has thou departed. You have released me. I asked you to give me this day. And you gave me this day before I die. So now you released me. Because you didn't have to give me this day. It could be born 20 more years from now. It could be born after I'm 100 years age. It could be born later on in my life. No, 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 no. You allowed him to be born now. So guess what you've done? You have released me. Hallelujah. I'm going to heaven. How could us face, how could many of us face death like that? God, I'm coming home. Hallelujah. I ain't got to cry no more. I ain't got no more bills. God, you have so worked in my life. You so touched my life. I've so seen you do things in my life. I know I couldn't do for myself. I so bless you, God. I so walked with you. I so trusted you. God, I'm ready. For my eyes have seen the salvation. Watch this carefully. He talking about salvation just for Israel. Look at verse 32. Look at verse 31. Which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation to who? The Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. In other words, if this come from Israel, you just told the world that God does walk with Israel. But when he comes, it ain't just for Israel. It's for all the drunks, all the drug addicts. Because the pagans were looked at as dirt. They were dogs. Remember the woman that would say, even the dogs will eat crumbs under the table. She's saying, you call me a dog. I don't care what you call me. Touch me. Because you're the only person that can save me. In the midst of my paganism, in the midst of all these gods that are all over around me, I choose you. Touch me. That's what he's saying here. He's saying for all the people that are messed up, for all the people that are broken, for all the people that are depressed, for all the people that are lonely, for all the people that are hopeless, almighty God, you give them hope by the fact that you put Jesus right smack dab here and you answered my prayer to see him. You let me see him and the fact that you answered my prayer that I could see him and you allow him to be right here. I've been coming to this court of women forever, but you let me see him, almighty God, you have answered answered my prayer and now that Jesus Christ has come you could tell this man was a righteous man he'd be reading his Bible Genesis chapter 12 is what he's talking about from verse 1 2 3 I see the redemption of all mankind even the dogs and he celebrates that how many times see our young people going to talk to folk on the bridge thanks to the leadership of Jordan. <laughs> How many times we think of that on Christmas Day? The dogs. We feed our dog. Some people treat their dog like it's a human being. 
and they treat you like nothing. Dama dog, dama dog. Dog at the table getting food and okay, I leave it alone. But I'm talking about the dog dog. I'm talking about the Caribbean dog. If you go to the Caribbean, the thing you would see first are dogs. Because they're dogs. They eat their own. Okay, let's move on. They see dogs in their day. They eat their own vomit. They lick their own things. And they see dogs eating from trash cans. And dogs are dogs. They're scavengers. They look at that. And they said, you even came for the dogs. Oh, God, I thank you that you came for a dog. <laughs> I was lost in sin, shaped in iniquity, with foolishness in my heart. Even in a good Christian home, I wasn't looking for you, but you sought me. You put a preacher in front of me to share me the gospel. You touched my life when I should not have been touched to be in ministry. You have blessed what you've called me to. Almighty God, thank you for saving this dog. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord God. Thank you for saving people who are broken and lost. Thank you. It didn't just come for the high priests and the Levites and all the wonderful people and the mighty people of Rome and the big Roman army. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to poor people who came with a dove. You came to people who couldn't even find a place to have a baby. You came to people who was just a carpenter trying to make stuff. You came to a woman who was a teenage girl. And you came to a man who was nothing but a, just a worshiper in the temple that was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. Thank you, Jesus, that you'll meet the Samaritan woman. Thank you, Jesus, that you'll reach out for the person who was a sinner. And she came before you as a sinner. Thank you, God, that you'll reach out for the man who was blind. Thank you, God, that you'd reach out for the person who think they had everything, but you'd still bring them to Christ. Thank you, Jesus Christ, that when you came and you brought this little baby, insignificant, sitting there in the courts of women, nobody paying attention but Anna and Simeon. Nobody, even the parents are not getting what's going on. Oh, but you still, in this little bitty meeting in a place called Jerusalem, touch the world. Thank you. You're so powerful. Thank you. You're so mighty. Thank you. You're so visionary. Thank you. You're so graceful. Thank you. You're such a blessing that you would let this little meeting become a great meeting for your glory. So churches are everywhere. Churches are in every place. Thank you, Jesus, that when you looked down to us, you saw our hopelessness and gave us hope. Thank you. You saw our brokenness and healed our hearts. Thank you. In the midst of our pain, you could give us strength and console us. Thank you, Jesus, that this little bitty baby born when I wasn't looking for nobody, gave me hope. I don't understand how we can't celebrate Christmas when angels are celebrating it. Shepherds are coming at night. Devout people are having a hallelujah service. But we can't celebrate Jesus when we're the dogs. We're the dogs. We are the ones lost. We're the ones that don't have any hope. We're the ones. He didn't come to us. He came to them. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. He came to them first. It's through them he came to us. But in coming to us, he will find Rahab. 
He would let Rahab be in his lineage. In coming to us, he would let Ruth, our Moabitess, be in his lineage. He would let poor parents have him. Why? Because he came to seek and to save those who are dogs. I don't understand how we could be so self-centered at Christmas. How we could be so into what I'd gotten, what I didn't get, and what we didn't have, or sometimes come to church so self-centered. Well, I don't get this, and they didn't do that. Oh, God, we as Gentiles get to be in the holies of holies. Do you know what this is? This is his holy pr- When his people gather together, his church gathers together, and the church becomes his body. What is the ho- it is the holies of holies. We get to walk in here and bless the name of God because this little baby, Jesus, came. Because God so loved the world, he gave. This is not a time to be selfish. It's not a time to just see what I get. This is a time to represent the character of Christ and celebrate the gift and celebrate being a gift for the glory of God. I don't get it. I don't get how many days... Sometimes I hear people say things and I go, oh my God, we have a chance to make you. Do you know what he says? That when we come to church, let us make his presence like perfume in his face. It's not about us first. It's about him first. He has already been a gift to us. You can't get a better gift. Can't get a better gift. When you die, you got hope. When you're sick, you could be healed. When you lack, when you don't have wisdom, you could find wisdom. When darkness is all around you because life is so broken, you could walk in the light. This gift, how could we not bless his name and be too busy to celebrate Christmas? Let us stand before I lose my mind. many days I've hugged my wife and I sons and I've said to them when they were growing up thanks so much for listening they never understood that sentence and they never asked me why I said it I saw that world that I would go by their school and 
and I would see all the junk happening at their school. And I know they're kids. They're kids. Kids do things. I go outside and watch them play and see their friends curse. I take them to, I was their soccer coach. And I see parents angry. I saw the world they were going to. And I would keep saying to them, thank you for listening. Because I love them so much. I think of God's love. That's where that came from, I believe. And some days I say, oh God, let them listen. Because they have no clue what they're going out to this week. None. They think they do. Nice cars. Got jobs. Don't mean anything. The rich man had a barns and says your soul is required of you tonight. But what God has taught me is they can't listen if they don't have a heart. You got people studying the Bible every day, but they miss the heart. They would nail him to a cross. They would find something wrong with him, even though they knew who he was. It's the heart. I could have stopped this sermon on the first point. Would have been happy for y'all, probably. Be a true worshiper. And this gift would not be a problem you're celebrating. I would never pass to you through Christmas and not require you to give to somebody else. Whether it's angel tree or the young people going somewhere or the youth or the children, I would never let you sit there and not do nothing. You may choose not to, but at least in this church, we represent that we appreciate the gift we already have, whether we get anything else or not. Today, where is your heart? Is it complaining, fussing, finding fault? Or is it saying, God, just thank you for loving dogs? Today, as we begin this week of celebration, Christmas Eve, there's stations playing, I know KHCB is playing Christmas music all day. All the preachers are off. Just music. As we celebrate this week, these seven days of Christmas, where does God find your heart? Into trees and lights and all the different festive stuff? Like they were doing religion? Or using those things to just make the place look pretty? But your heart is for Christmas. Come to church today. Join me at the altar. And let us commit to let this day, this week, be an honor to God. Or come because you say, God, my heart needs to be fixed. 
Sometimes I am self-centered about what you do for me rather than what I do for you. Since you've done enough for me, you have said you have done enough for me. By just giving me life, by just giving me a hope for heaven, you have done enough for me. So God, I, I want you to fix my heart so that I be a person that appreciates the greatest gift I can have and that is the gift of life. Come today. Just say, God, I, I got to just make it a pattern in my life to live a righteous, devout life. Just expecting you to do what you say. <laughs> just doing what you say because you say you're going to do what you say. So, Lord, from now on, I just live this way and I give you glory so that you can work on my heart. You can shape my heart. You can make my heart what you need it to be because I commit to be what you asked me to be. And that is a devout, a righteous, committed person living with my hope in you. Not my hope in my money, not my hope in my job, not my hope in my doctors, but my hope is in you. I expect you to do what you say, and I will trust you to do that. As we sing this song, come, let us, let us be a church that has a heart for the Lord God. Just for him. If you want to join Living Word, go to my left, your right. You see Sister Cranford over there. We would love to have you be a part of Living Word Fellowship Church. We would love that. If you don't know Jesus oh Christ as your Savior, come meet him today. Come meet him today. We come today. Say yes to God today. Don't think about how far you got to walk. I can do this in my seat. No, no. Come to the temple place. Come. Come down to the place and say to God, I'm serious. I'm going to take this step for you. I'm going to walk with you. And I will celebrate you each and every day. Come to God. Don't worry about where you, how much you got to walk. Please don't say, I could do this in my seat. If you're able to walk, it's because he blessed you to walk. And Make a commitment today, a bold one. God, shake my heart to be in love with you and you alone. Oh, Lord, I'm available to you. Oh, my will I give to you. I'll do what you say to me, Lord, to show someone the way, and enable me to say, my storage is empty, and I am available. Everybody says this, I want to hear from God. I do too. But please know, you can't hear from him if you don't listen to him. It's impossible. You can't hear somebody if you're not willing to listen. So if we let the noise of this life, the pain, the struggles, all of these different things in our life, we get so loud, we can't listen. Listening 
is to decide first to surrender your life to God in his word. Just do what he says. He will never leave you wrong because he can't lie. And he's holy. Listen to his word with a heart for it so that you just do what he says. You get it, understand it, you know how to apply it, and the application is up to you. But the concept is his. Let's pray. Dear God, you touch lives and you've touched lives today. Oh God, I pray that they will keep their Bibles open and they would learn to listen to your word. And God, no matter how miserable it gets to do it, that they would bring themselves into conformity to it so that as they walk with you, God, they trust you for the results. They don't try to create them. They don't try to make them happen. They just trust you for the results and just surrender to you, God, to do their, your will. God, I pray that when they do that, you would shape their hearts. So, Lord, you so shape their hearts that they fall so in love with you. Doing your word is something they look forward to because they love you and because your love is in them. So God, I pray that their hearts would be shaped, it would be transformed as they redo their mind. So God, that your, their lives would become so much engulfed in who you are, that they chase you because they, you are driving them to chase yourself. So coming to your word is not a burden. Coming to your word is not a problem because Lord, you are the one chasing them to listen. We thank you, God, for loving us. We thank you for caring for us. We thank you for coming for dogs. We thank you, God, for loving us so much that you would send your son for us. But, Lord, we pray that our lives will be a gift back to you. It's in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray and I ask you, forgive me of my sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, but don't let this prayer not be heard because of anything in my life. I pray, God, that you would anoint your people in this way that stand at this altar. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember that. Remember that. Remember that. Remember that. Let's give God praise. Come on, come on.